Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody, to Dr. Connie's House Calls. That It's the month of June, and welcome back. I always think of the month of June. Let's see, what happens in June? We think of weddings. We think of graduations, which usually it's May and June, so graduations. I think of Father's Day, which we just celebrated this Sunday, and we think of summer. And with summer comes physical activity. So today, we're going to talk about the importance of why being physically active really helps extend your life. But before we do, I'd like to mention my honorable mentions, which I mention in every show, just so we can highlight certain things. So this is, as we say, the month of anniversaries. June 1st marked 18 years since I retired from the Navy. It's hard to believe it's been 18 years since I wore a uniform. This month also celebrates 18 years ago that I moved from Arizona from, uh, to Arizona from D.C., June 5th marked my nine-year wedding anniversary with my husband, John. So we, we, are, uh, celebra- we celebrated that this month. June 8th marked the birthday of Glenn Powell. And Glenn was on our show in the past. He's the author of the book, The Last Baggage Call. And it talked about his memoir as the bag man at the White House. So he's in charge of all the luggage and the baggage call. And all the over 10 years he spent at the White House taking care of all of us there. So June 8th was his anniversary. As I mentioned, this past Sunday was Father's Day. So I hope all the dads, the granddads, the stepdads in the audience were honored on that very special day. Now, tomorrow, June 21st, is the first day of summer and the longest day of the year. And as we look at summer, people think of, oh, wow, I'm going to get out, I'm going to be active, I'm going to hike, I'm going to do all these things. Well, I always tell you, as my friends say in the... In the dermatology field, don't forget your sunscreen when you're getting your vitamin D out there. But instead of being physically active, one of the things I'm going to talk about is that even though we want people to be physically active, we're seeing studies that the American population has become increasingly more sedentary. Sitting is the new smoking in terms of what a lot of people say, and it is a huge risk factor that prevents people from living a long and healthy life. Americans are sitting more than ever, and unfortunately, that habit starts early in life as little kids do that. You just look around you. When you when you go to a restaurant or you go to other places, public places, people are sitting. They're on their cell phone. They're at a computer. And so this was tracked over the last two decades, and they have seen definitely an increase in the sedentary lifestyle of Americans. And I remember back in the 60s and 70s when I was in elementary school and junior high and high school, we had phys ed, where that was a course you took, physical education. You had to wear the uniform and go out and play ball and run and do these things. You actually got a grade for it. So I think that's changed over the years, and I don't know where they made it optional or not, but my friends tell me it's no longer a big deal like it used to be as they, they made us go to that. So the rise of sitting, they look at it across a range of age groups. They find that the average sitting time increased roughly by an hour from 2007 to 2016. And this was an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association that was published last month. The average hours of sitting a day increased from 7 to 8.2, you believe that, 8.2 hours among adolescents and from 5.5 to 6.4 among adults. So your adolescents are the guys who are doing more sitting versus the adults who are running around doing stuff. 
TV and video watching hours remain relatively constant, although they were pretty high over the, the nearly two decades that these people were studied by JAMA. So children are learning young to be sedentary, and that is a huge impact as they grow older. Research has linked excess sedentary behavior to increased risk of diabetes, heart disease, and some cancers. But we're not going to take this news sitting down. I probably should just sit up and do some crunches and move around here a little bit. And that's why I've asked to be in studio today somebody who I look to as the guru, the expert, and really the role model in physical activity and physical fitness. And that guest is Dr. of Physical Therapy Matt Gloyd, who I'm trying to think how long I've known him. I think I've known him for about 10 years now. But let me tell you about Matt's background. Matt Gloyd is a doctor of physical therapy. He's an entrepreneur, and he's a pioneer for utilizing innovative therapy, innovative treatment in physical medicine. He discovered his affinity for physical therapy while he studied physiology and playing Division I football at the University of Arizona. Matt accepted that injuries were common for athletes, and he recognized that first-class treatments for knowledgeable healthcare providers meant a faster return to the field of play. He decided that facilitating an athlete's rehabilitation will allow that athlete to remain heavily involved in sports. So Matt developed his passion and, and philosophy of providing the most personal healthcare possible when oncologists, surgeons, nurses, and therapists, volunteers, and family focused one-on-one with him to help him become a cancer survivor in his own story. Matt understands that some people want to return to the gridiron or golf course. Many more people just need to complete activities of daily living. So I'm thinking back. Matt and I met through a mutual patient of mine who was suffering from multiple sclerosis, and she and her husband invited Matt and myself to meet for dinner where they wanted us to get together because Matt had been so instrumental in getting this patient with with multiple sclerosis to avoid her from getting into a wheelchair, which she refused to be in. And to this day, she's active and and was really inspired. And since the time I met Matt, I've referred him to many, many people, including family members, and he's been so amazing. So welcome, Matt, to our show today. Great. Thank you, Connie, for having me. Well, I want people to know, I know there's a lot of titles, and you are a DPT, a doctor of physical therapy. Can you tell us what that is and what that training involves? Yeah, so the training for a DPT is initially you want a a kinesiology degree or a physiology degree as a prereq, and then you have to actually get some technical experience or a volunteer experience to be eligible to apply to PT school. So nowadays, instead of a master's program for two years, it's actually three years. And, you know, what these programs are including now is to, to be able to differentially diagnose patients. Uh, now that we're autonomous, you know, to be a PT, we have to be able to, you know, know that somebody's back pain is actually coming from an orthopedic element versus if it's actually uh, more systemic. So we have to know the cardiovascular system, the nervous system, so that, you know, we can send the patient to the appropriate healthcare professional if necessary. So again, now a two-year doctorate, I'm sorry, two-year master's is now transitioned, is almost standardized that is doctorate. So so that's your doctorate in that degree. So what year did you graduate with that degree? So I graduated in 2012 from NAU uh, in Flagstaff and basically started my practice uh, a year after and that's unusual, isn't it? Don't people work for larger groups? And so why didn't the traditional group work for you? Why did you break out? Yeah, good question. So, you know, my thing 
you know, I had this cancer experience that you mentioned, and my perspective changed significantly. So mm. instead of just, you know, kind of going through the, the standard route of being a PT, you know, I knew that, you know, I, there was a year that I, I kind of was put on hold with having testicular cancer. And so I kind of, I, I wanted to make a splash some way, shape, or form, didn't know what that was. But I had a sense of urgency to, you know, kind of do something different. And so initially, when I got out of PT school, you know, I signed on with uh, a sports medicine clinic. And I thought my, my goal was to run a clinic and be on the fast track to the business side. But what I realized is that, you know, given that patient, that quality of care and trying to get people better faster was really the, the passion behind what I was doing. And so, uh, you know, I started to recognize that, you know, that the model was set up for more you know, let's just treat people, let's just, you know, see as many patients as we can. And, you know, you end up spending 15 minutes with each patient versus, you know, what I've recognized in the home model is that it's an hour. So it basically gives a physical therapy firepower to getting people better faster and delivering that quality of life boost. So you know, the way I met you, Connie, is basically, you know, we had this mutual patient. We didn't realize it, but she came in through the sports medicine clinic and, because I was a young new grad, I had more time on my hands. So I was able to take a patient who'd been through this mill, this system, and recognize that uh, we had an opportunity to turn her uh, entire right leg back on. You know, with the complicated case of MS, it was still possible. So one twitch turned into a, a contraction of a large muscle group, uh, you know, using electric stimulation. And that transitioned to gait training, balance, and pretty soon in three months she wasn't falling anymore. And she basically had this quality of life boost where she didn't need an assisted device and walked into her annual physical. And, you know, I think uh, you were probably a little shocked to see that. She was walking without a cane, <laughs> without a wheelchair. You totally blew us away. I think the reason I use you preferentially to, for my patients is you offered, offered at that time the home visits, which your mm -hmm. staff do as well. And you on occasion, but you're busy doing, you know, running the group. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you gave her such, you spent over an hour individualized attention in her home. Sure. And you did things such as finding the right shoes to work. You went with her and bought some shoes with her. What was going to work? It wasn't like, all right, check in the boxes. Okay, you're out of here. It was really trying to make it fit for her. Sure. It wasn't one size fits all. And that's what I love is that your, your business is very personalized to, that, to the needs of that patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so going to the home is actually, to me, it's a secret. You know, you, at that time, when I was seeing patients on the side of the sports medicine clinic, you know, it became this executive medicine model where you, you bring a massage table into somebody's home and mm -hmm. bring that care to them. And not only was it more convenient, but we had an opportunity to figure out what their functional limitations were in the comfort of their home. So it was, uh, became a very special model and... and uh, become a big deal now. Now, have you always wanted to go into physical therapy? I remember you telling me your parents were in the medical field, mm -hmm. mom and dad. Yeah, so my parents were both uh, physicians, dad, pediatrician, mom, internal medicine, and my brother's actually a, a doc now, and so I always thought I'd go that direction into the medical world, but I was playing football, and uh, at the University of Arizona, I was actually a pre-business major, but somehow I found my way back into the sports medicine side, and um, instead of being a, you know, pursuing a medical physician degree, uh, you know, going pre-med, I actually went the doctorate PT route. 
So a little bit of a curveball for some of my professors who prepared me for med school. But, but that's the route I wanted to go. Well, you've helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you have to find your path. I, I see you now with, as a businessman, and I think, don't you think your business background really helped, especially, you know, they were saying that a lot of physicians who go into private practice fail because they have no idea about how, how to do a business, how to even manage it. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. My business degree, you know, it did kind of help frame uh, give me a framework going into uh, PT school, but quite frankly, I learned everything about business through being kind of taking a leap of faith and mm-hmm. starting a practice mm-hmm. through personalized care. You start to develop your business education once you're out in the field. You know, I didn't know anything about taxes. I didn't know anything about, uh, you know, grinding to get uh, more clients and marketing. And right. and I learned a lot from, from you personally uh, you know, I, I learned not to grill a market and go door to door. Just <laughs> let your work speak for itself. And, uh, you know, you were one of my early mentors. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Well, you've helped a lot of my patients. I, I, as I look back at referrals, a lot of times I'll, the best advertising is word of mouth. You know, one happy patient will tell a lot. But, of course, you know if anyone's negative and one bad outcome, they tell 15 other people. But it's, you know, we look back at the business model is knowing what quality, what services you offer. And you have a special, you know, whatever the deal that you do. You don't take insurance. But you get what you pay for. And I tell my patients that you're high quality. You're one-on-one. It isn't going to be cookie-cuttered. And you're going to get what you, you pay for. And that's, that's what they want. Um, I'm going to ask a little bit more. How many other people work with you? Tell me about the practice. What who's out? Who else is with you? Sure. So so it's a hybrid model. So it started off as house calls, delivering the service, whether it's physical therapy or personal training. Mm-hmm. It's being delivered in the home. Uh, but now we actually have a private client center that's located in North Scottsdale, that offers that same personalized uh, experience that they would get in the comfort of their home. But now these rooms are opened up as if you have your own gym and clinic, just you and the therapist. Uh, so the company is called PT3, and what it stands for is physical therapy, private training with a personal touch. Mm-hmm. Now, most people, uh, when I first started this practice and uh, established a brand, you know, I realized that not a lot of people knew the difference between personal training and physical therapy. And for me, going through all the schooling, pre-med and then a doctorate degree, you know, I felt like, wait a minute. You know, we're experts in exercise, but yet, you know, we also have the lens of a doctor. Uh, so I wanted to establish both markets. We're, p- we're personal trainers and we're physical therapists that mm-hmm. give you the best of both worlds. And we deliver the service to you or you can come to our private client center. So we have 10 therapists around the valley that go to the homes, but also can see the patients in our facility or go to, uh, direct to them, whether it's in a car dealership or a hotel room. Very unique and, and customized. Do you go out of state as well? Uh, yeah. So we have a therapist that's located in Dallas. So we're kind of targeting the the Texas market. But we also have a, a new therapist in Naples, Florida, because mm-hmm. we're finding that people are demanding this unique service. Everybody needs WD-40, I'll talk about later, yeah. which is mobility <laughs> right. as they age. And so we have this technology that's brand new to the world, but it's been out for eight years. It just hasn't been established the right way. And so this vibration technology is allowing us to get people this, this answer to mobility. And everywhere we treat somebody out of state, they say, who do you know in Chicago, Manhattan, that uses technology? And we created dependence on it where they have to fly to Scottsdale or, you know, go to Naples or Dallas. 
So we're going we're gonna to pause for a little break, come back in a few minutes, and then we're gonna, I want to delve more into the vibrational therapy that you offer because one of my patients, after six years, her back pain went away. So stay tuned for more on Dr. Connie's House Calls with Dr. Physical Therapy, Matt Gloyd. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. We're back with Dr. Connie on House Calls for our June show with our special guest in studio, Dr. Matt Gloyd from PT3 here in Scottsdale and beyond. And Matt was telling us all about his new technology for chronic pain. Can you share with everybody what, it's too bad we're not visual here, but I want you to share with what this device is that your your uh, practice uses. Sure, Connie. So rapid release technology came out of Newport Beach, California about eight years ago. And the chiropractor who invented it designed it for breaking up scar tissue. And I ended up getting in my hands uh, five years ago and hadn't heard anything about it. But uh, I almost handed it back to the, uh, the orthopedic doc who showed it to me. And I said, listen, doc, we don't use 
power tools or vibrators, mm-hmm. you know, we use our hands, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, fortunately, I was open-minded enough to hold on to it for a week. And I got creative with how to use it in conjunction with our current techniques, uh, like modes of movement. And this vibration technology, imagine a high-speed vibration tool that's being plugged into the wall. Uh, and you use it in conjunction with, with mobilizations. And now instead of manually trying to break up scar tissue or do trigger point release, this technology allows us to free up restriction of movement. So think about all of our, you know, anybody over the age 50 really that gets stiff with age, we now put their muscles in a lengthened position and we can manipulate and loosen these muscles up in seconds. And so instead of, you know, all the hard, you know, aggressive treatment techniques that we're using like scraping and uh, and cupping, we don't we don't need to put a patient through discomfort. We can actually do it in a comfortable fashion, still get a more productive outcome. And again, this technology is called rapid release technology. And we've come so far in five years as a team of therapists, created an institution behind how to use it because it's so uh, disruptive in this physical medicine world. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we create a dependency around the country when we treat th- patients uh, in different states, they end up saying, who does this, who uses this in, in Manhattan uh, or Dallas? And we, in a couple states, have therapists that are trained, but for the most part, they have to fly to Scottsdale to get it because it is that disruptive. So it's really cool. How often do you treat them with this device? Good question. So, I mean, we could, it's so conservative from a manipulation standpoint on the skin and the muscle that we could do it literally every day. And so in my practice, you know, I put away all my other tools in my toolbox, and I'm basically using this all day and, you know, one patient after another. Now we give it breaks and we change positions. But for the most part, this technology can be used all day uh, as long as you're giving the patient a break and you're giving yourself in the tool also a little breather. So the physiology, why does that work, that vibration? So there's a few things going on. In fact, uh, you know, you can eventually go online to targetedvibrationtherapy.com to get, you know, an interactive view of how this works. But the, essentially what it's doing is the high-speed manipulation on the skin tells the brain, you know, to relax a muscle. So normally when you're stretching, whether you're doing it on your own or a therapist stretches your muscle, your brain says guard, protect, mm-hmm. like a dog at a, mm-hmm. a you know, the Amazon do- com- comes to the door and the dog's still going to bark no matter what. Uh, same thought with the muscles. So it, it kind of disconnects that signal, but also relaxes the muscle at the local level, draws blood flow, makes the muscle more pliable. And that's why we get this immediate release and tension and more range. My patient that I sent to you, I think about a month ago, uh, I think she was in her 80s, had been through lots of back surgery. Nobody was going to touch her again. They said, you're done. We can't do anything else other than put needles in and do facet blocks. And I said, you know, let's let's try the vibrational therapy with you. Mm-hmm. And I called her that evening, and she said, you know, I want you to know I'm sitting down, and I just saw Matt, and I may be sore, but for the first time in six years, I have had no back pain. And I think that's amazing. We didn't have to use any medications. You especially worry about nowadays with opioid crisis. And especially in the elderly, I don't like giving pain meds at all. You have to be very cautious. But the fact that you had a non-invasive device that allowed her to be pain-free. And do you remember how long she was pain-free after that? So I've seen her three times since that initial visit. Uh, but but what, what makes this so straightforward is, you know, somebody comes in and this is probably a repeat case of the same condition. But a lot of people have this back pain, this hip pain, you know, bursitis. 
and it's routine, but what they really need is just movement around that area. Mm -hmm. So more pliability with the connective tissue. So in her case, you know, we got her in, I did a, a demonstration of, of how the tool works. And immediately I could buy her a little bit more hip range just by doing some simple stretching to her comfort level. And then immediately she would see more range and then I would have her walk and the pain would go down and we'd repeat some of the same techniques. But, you know, her case is no different than the majority of patients who come in that just are stiff. Mm -hmm. So if we can conservatively free up restrictions to that movement of their hip, their back, their knee, mm -hmm. then, you know, we're treating pain so much faster. Mm -hmm. And uh, her case, she was actually pain-free that first session, and it carried over through the three sessions we've wow. had to date. That's huge. About, so your patient clientele, what type of patients do you see? Are they golf? I know you see athletes, you mm -hmm. see golfers. What's your typical patient? You know, what's fun about this model is we can see anybody from, you know, zero to, mm -hmm. uh, I would say our, our oldest is 93 years old. And we have a couple within that range. But, you know, the, the, the reality is that people get stiff. If you think about what causes stiffness, injuries, surgeries with scar tissue, uh, somebody has, you know, they're sitting uh, too long. Right. You know, so the, the real simplification to how our model works is we're just getting people more mobile. Yeah. yeah. Occasionally we need, we, somebody comes in that can do the splits and that's not the approach. <laughs> Don't but, do you know, I call them, you know, women are Gumby for the most part, ten, men are Tin Men, but the Gumby that comes in might need more stabilization, more core strengthening, right. whereas the majority of people, I would say 90%, just need the restoring of mobility. And that's what treats their pain. That's what gets them back to their function. Mm -hmm. uh, so our professional athlete who wants to get back on the, the golf course, you know, they have a restriction to their movement, free it up, and they're back to their quality of life. Or our geriatric client who just needs to get from point A to point B, we have the answer to their problem as well. See, one of my focuses has been on longevity. And so can you tell me the age of your oldest client right mm -hmm. now? Is it 93? Yeah, 93. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, soon to be 94. But what's keeping mm -hmm. these 90-year-olds uh, going is basically restoring mobility. And, and if we can get them to program these basic functional exercises into their daily routine, mm -hmm. get them to understand why it's important, then they're going to live longer. Right. You know, and more flexibility is what allows them to be pain-free doing the simple things, and then some play golf. Yeah, they're still active and walk. My oldest patient who died a couple of years ago was 102, and she would come visit me. She, she had a, a, a walker because she had difficulty seeing, but she would roll in on her walker, and we would try to help her, and she'd brush us aside and says, you're not helping me. I'm doing this myself. And we, she finally said, I, at the age of 90, at the age of 102, she was done. Her pacemaker was due to be renewed, and she says, I don't want it renewed. Tell my kids I'm done. And so we called in hospice, and she passed a, a couple of weeks later. And her kids who were in their 80s, and I said, why do you think your mom lives so long? And they said, mom was always active. She would walk for miles and miles. Every, even in her 70s, 80s, up to her 90s, she would walk several miles a day, get out and walk. And, and I thought just it was just incredible. And I think as, as people, as we age, our mm -hmm. aging population and, and the ones who are retired, I mean, I, I tell my patients retired, your job is to stay fit, 
is to stay active, keep your mind active, but keep your body active. What do you recommend for, let's say, somebody who just retired, they're in their 60s, they want to live under their 90s, be fit. What, what, what kind of things do you recommend for them? Yeah, you know, the first step is, is getting them to understand that, that mobility comes first. You know, people can get strong in, in, in tone, but in reality, if your joints are stiff and you're, you know, you're, you're being held back, you can't mm-hmm. just jump into a workout program. Mm-hmm. So the first step is increase your mobility. That makes you feel better. It makes you want to move. And then the second step is is get some basic things programmed in. Don't think that you're going to get in shape in one day. Right. Um, and so it's kind of setting somebody's expectations and guiding them through this process. But really move, you know, uh, get engaged in, in golf, you know, get started with your country club or uh, you know, I, from a psychological standpoint, cognitive standpoint, get engaged in bridge, yeah. you know, something that's going to keep you engaged. And I always tell all my executives who just stepped out of the business world is, is get on a board, mm-hmm. you know, stay engaged so that you're still spinning your wheels mm-hmm. on the business side, because that's what's going to keep your mind going and eventually keep you, you young. Do you tell them to, to run races or marathons, or do you have people who do that? Do you get them trained for that? Yeah, good question. Uh, you know, I think, you know, the depending on the client, you know, some of them want to get into marathons, triathlons, you know, if they're really stoic. But uh, for the most part, you know, just getting into seeing a fitness trainer, mm-hmm. as long as they're, you know, conservative enough but, you know, realistic to your goals, uh, you know, I, I would encourage anybody to do yoga and Pilates. I think those two things are good for anybody of all ages because they promote mobility, balance, and core engagement. Um, but for, for our clients, I mean, we really put them on this very basic program, yet very functional, so that it's, it's entertaining and, and engaging enough, but yet it's safe. So how many hours a day or how many, what's the time frame? What kind of assignments do you tell them that they should be exercising every day? Yeah, and, you know, the research suggests it's somewhere between 30 minutes and a, an hour a day. But, you know, I think it's tricky to put a number on it because mm-hmm. you have to define what exercise is. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody runs, you know, five miles versus, you know, somebody's doing, you know, ab exercise, you know, it, it's tough to put a time limit on it. So the way I describe it is, just like your diet, your exercise should be programmed, you know, light meals and light bouts of exercise more frequently. So I say instead of your standard breakfast, lunch, and dinner, mm-hmm. program your meals and your, your light hmm. exercises three to six times a day. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're all kind of programmed to do kind of a big breakfast, lunch, and mm-hmm. dinner. But if we mix in these functional exercises like a sit-to-stand mm-hmm. uh, where you're not pushing off, and you can shift your foot forward so that you create a little balance uh, engagement. To me, that's more functional, and that's something you're going to have to do 20 to 30 times a day anyway. Right. You keep moving. The yeah. big thing is to keep moving. I look at populations to live into the hundreds, and there are people in Sardinia and Okinawa who hike, who garden, who are out there physically active. I- I'm stubborn because I won't do anything physically active unless it's purposeful. So my son gave me a cup for Christmas that said, shopping is my new cardio. But if I go into a mall and I power, power walk, 
You know, I just sort of briskly, you know, walk past people and, you know, maintain my posture. And then if I lift, <laughs> I used to say, someone said, man, my gosh, do you work out? And I say, I say, well, I do walk a lot when I, when, I, when I shop and I go to the store and I do errands. And then when I travel, I, you know, I, I power walk through the airport because you got to move quickly. And then I run down the jetway and I do that overhead bag lift. And, they, and guys will try to help me lift my bag. And I say, no, no, this is me. I'm just going to do this. I just lifted, a, you know, I lifted dead lift overhead. And they're like, wow. Look at that. And it's a little bit crazy, but I think the fact that you just keep moving. Sure. You know, I have friends who do Zumba, which is great. They do Pilates. They do yoga. They do all sorts of things. And I think as long as you enjoy it, I think people aren't going to repeat it if they don't enjoy it. So tell me the challenges you face. Like when you get people to work out, what are the tough things about it? Yeah, you know, I think some of the challenges are making sure that you're giving somebody the flavor they're looking for when it comes to the exercise, but also being safe. And it's that Somewhere between the two, you're you're safe, you're conservative, yet you're still adding that flavorful workout that they're going to look forward to. And so the way I kind of define exercises, it should be so functional where balance is synonymous with your core. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to get into a lunge, for example, and then superimpose an upper body workout, mm-hmm. you're going to create this co-contraction from the floor up. And that's how you end up sweating faster. But yet, because you're not moving, you're mm-hmm. stationary with the legs, you're still getting a really good workout, but maintaining safety around your spine and your hips and so on and so forth. So trying to figure out ways to uh, establish a functional position and then superimposing workouts around it. Uh, but that kind of answers my, my challenge of not being too aggressive, mm-hmm. but also adding that flavor. So if someone's listening in, they say, hey, I want to sign up with you or the people at PT3, how, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, so they can either call our main line at 480-482-7040, or they can check out our website at www.pt3az.com. And on our website, you can see videos of our new pri- private client center. You can get access to different pictures and, and some some interactive videos. But the idea is... Give us a call, check out our website, but we can customize the experience for you. Great. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause for a few minutes. We're going to come back to talk with Dr. Matt Gloyd a little bit more because I, I know we talked about your, your, uh, PT, your physical therapy practice and, and the things you do and how fitness promotion really helps all patients, but especially the elderly patients as they live long. But the other part I want to ask you about is fatherhood, because we celebrated Father's Day this Sunday, and you as a dad of three kids, which includes a boy and girl twins, I want to hear your perspective on that. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls with Matt Gloyd. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. 
who looks after the President of the United States. My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to Dr. Connie's House Calls. I've got my good friend and fitness guru, Dr. Matt Lloyd here from Scottsdale, who has really had an incredible life journey with his personal training, physical therapy practice. He's helped so many people with pain, mobility, and really extending their lives that way. But Matt has a very fascinating personal story of his own. He's the son of two physicians, an internist and a pediatrician. And Matt originally was going to go to med school. He was also going to study business. And then in the process, he became a patient. Can you share with us about that experience, Matt? Sure. Yeah, it's a perspective that, uh, you know, I still have today that I, you know, I think was a blessing in disguise. But as a testicular or cancer patient, uh, you know, at one point you're, you know, I, at 2000, 2009 in the middle of PT school, I was in the best shape of my life. Uh, I played college football, as we talked about, but... I was in even better shape in PT school playing basketball three hours a, a, a day. But one thing led to another where I was getting symptoms that didn't add up. It wasn't reproduced with physical therapy uh, assessments. And and because I was in this great shape, you know, 195 pounds with no body fat, my physician that I was seeing kind of o- overlooked some of the <clears throat> standard routines that maybe a physician would, would go through. Uh, and just figured that I was overdoing the basketball. <clears throat> Excuse me. But as uh, things progressed, instead of thinking it was a kidney stone or uh, you know, just overdoing my physical activity, one thing led to another and it became more systemic. And so to fast forward, I was diagnosed with this, this essentially stage four, uh, what was considered potentially terminal. I mean, it was that serious spread to my lungs, uh, liver, and lymph nodes. And so at that point in time, I had to make a, a massive change in, in my direction and had to take a leave of absence from PT school. But what that experience gave me is that at that point, I was realizing that 
um, you have two directions you can take in life. You can feel bad for yourself and say, why me, why me? Or in my case, at least early on before chemotherapy, uh, you know, I was strong enough to say, listen, I'm going to take this, I'm going to battle this out and show people that I'm stronger and have an opportunity to get better, you know, more psychologically uh, strong. And so that's kind of how it played out with some downturns, of course, with chemo and losing I think I lost 35 pounds uh, within three weeks. And so there were some challenges, but fast forward to when it was all over and I was in remission, you know, I actually took that perspective and said, listen, I know what a patient goes through. You know, I know what it's like to, to have to dig deep and sit in a waiting room and, you know, the frustrations with being a patient. So I think my gift today is understanding that in a business world where you're seeing patients is you understand some of the challenges that are faced on the other side of the uh, the table. And so if you understand that patients don't want to wait around, they, they want quality and they don't want to go through the motions, you know, those are things that I think, you know, I've been gifted with because of this testicular cancer experience. Um, and at one point I didn't know if I would have kids, you know. So on that end, you know, I'm very blessed. So after they did 11 weeks of aggressive chemo, my oncologist directed me to Indianapolis to have uh, two group of surgeons, one take out a, a big portion of my liver, and the other uh, group of surgeons take out all my retroperitoneal lymph nodes. And these were both Lance Armstrong's uh, mm -hmm. guys. Yeah. And so basically after that was all over, you know, they, they, uh, there was a minor cut in my sympathetic nerve, uh, which basically didn't give me the opportunity to have kids. And so they presented to my girlfriend then, now wife, Allison, and, you know, sat us in this room after surgery and mm. said everything went well, yeah. but unfortunately you're not going to be able to have kids. kids. How old were you? So I was 25 at the time. Oh, and gosh. so my wife was devastated, girlfriend yeah. at the time, yeah. but I, I was just happy to be done with the surgery. Right. Uh, fast forward, we went the in vitro route. Mm -hmm. And I, before chemotherapy, I stored one vial of sperm mm -hmm. and turned out that that one vial uh, thanks to some doctors in Scottsdale, you know, turned out to be the first round, which was uh, my five-year-old son, Mason. Mm -hmm. And then twins soon after, uh, who are now three and a half, uh, Russell and Reagan. So three kids essentially in, you know, two years. Uh, to me, this was all a blessing in disguise. You know, well, happy Father's Day. You definitely are, are blessed to have had that. You know, as a physician, I hear your story about testicular cancer, and a lot of times, Guys, you know, you'll have symptoms, may not have it. A lot of guys don't examine themselves. And a lot of, time, and a lot of times as a young guy, you, you don't even you know, want to check it out. You don't want to go see a doctor. It's embarrassing. I don't know what you think. It's a hernia. It's nothing there. And when I was a ship's doctor, we found several guys with testicular cancer. And they thought, oh, I got a hernia. I got something. They, don't, they didn't want the doctor to see. But you, you got to, you know, the word to get out to tell guys to, to check themselves, do a testicular check. Sure. And really don't underestimate you know, what you could have and listen to your body. But the fact that you didn't give up, you, you got chemo, you're, you're, you're in remission, knock on wood, and that to, to be able to father kids still. And, and tell me about what it was like when you held Mason for the first time, that you held your first baby. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, anybody who's had kids kind of understands that first moment. But if you haven't had kids, it's, it's tough to put into words, but it's just your perspective changes. You know, you're now, I think immediately you get, more maturity, uh, just holding a, a, your first child. Uh, you know, I think as soon as you hold your first child, you realize how special the moment is, but you start realizing that, you know, it's no longer a life about you. It's about your 
firstborn child and you know that becomes your focus on why you know maybe you work harder at work you know you you go to work earlier than usual um you know you you want to make more money so you can provide for now mason not Mm -hmm. matt right Uh, and to me that was the the change of perspective immediately so how many years difference about three years between uh mason and his brother and sister so mason's yeah he's he's now five and then the twins are three and three quarters so basically 13 months wow so we have your wife is your wife (laughs) is a saint well you you showed me a picture one time of the family and i said my gosh your wife looks fabulous she looks beautiful and I said, well, how did, what's her secret? And what did you tell me? Was it? <laughs> well, she's chasing the kids around uh, 24-7, so uh, she's running around in circles all day. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, it's funny about, you know, the one day uh, a month that I have to take care of the kids, you know, and take a day <laughs> off, you know, because, you know, I recognize how much work and, uh, you know, what's required to be a, a mother at home, and it's, it's a lot more work than you think. It and never ends. You clean up the toys five times. You do the dishes four times. Nobody pats you on the back and says, wow, that was a really good round of dishes you did. You know, there's just no recognition. So I do really appreciate It's a nice diaper you changed, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Nice diaper. So I can really appreciate those moms out there. But, you know, it's so inspiring and and commendable that, you know, you're raising a young family and then you launch your business. How, How how do you have all this time? You just make time? Yeah, you know, it's again I think the kids kind of drive your your fire now because you're you're now not working for one person or two, yeah. you're working for five. And so it it really is an automatic drive and having the passion for physical therapy and being an entrepreneur, I'm I'm constantly uh moving and 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 spinning, but the one of my clients uh you know, mentors told me that there's no such thing as a balance between family and, and work. And, and you know this, you know, mm-hmm. it's an integration is what he would say and mm-hmm. gave me a couple of books on it. But it's, it makes sense. Right. If you strive to balance everything out, it's impossible. Right. Somebody you know? said, oh, you can have it all. You can't have it all. And no. you can't have it all at the same time. It's, it's, you just got to figure you have to mesh it together and, and, and try to adjust. And you always have to be flexible. It's, but you do, you know, you do try to make time, don't you? Like yeah. with your family, get away. And yeah. And then that's the secret is you, you know, you work real hard and then you make sure that you carve out that time. And, and, uh, what I'm really challenged with is, you know, I got, I can't forget about my beautiful wife and be, yes. a, be a husband. Right. You know, you think immediately carve out that extra time for, for the kids, but then you forget, wait a minute, I've got that third hat that yeah. I've got to take very seriously. And, Allison, my wife, needs me just as much as these kids do. Absolutely. So so that's that integration that you just have to program in. What do you do for physical activity for the kids? Uh, So what's funny is, you know, as a former athlete, you know, I always thought that I would get my kids to be the fastest, the, Mm. you know, jump the highest and put them through weighted vest drills at (laughs) one, you know. But, you know, it's funny is it's all to me, it's about building this foundation around them. You know, I thought maybe a lemonade stand would be better at five. <laughs> so they understand supply and demand. But uh, physical therapy has got me, you know, I'll put some some little things in place for these kids, you know, have them go through little ladder drills just mm-hmm. for fun activities. But yet it gets their coordination going early, mm-hmm. uh, get them exposed to some of the things that every sport will require so that they have the fundamental to being, you know, being good at, at a lot of these sports without as much effort and whether they take it to a professional level isn't important anymore. Right. It's, you know, can they also understand that supply and demand on their lemonade powder versus, <laughs> you know, the demand that's uh, hitting the street. So I, I think that, you know, I've been matured, 
you know, just going through this business side where it's no longer just about sports, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, I want them to be active, of course, so they're going to run around all day, not play video games, Good. not watch TV all day, uh, get them outside, get them, you know, a basketball goal, get them footballs and, uh, you know, encourage them to get outside more because once they get stuck in the video games, you can just see this, it's a downward spiral. Oh, yeah, it's hard to extricate them once that happens. I mean, that's... Once you do that, it, you, you've lost them because they're addicted to that. And you, you've been so smart to keep them active. You know, I'm thinking back to, you know, one of the things definitely is the cancer diagnosis. What do you do diet-wise? Did you – any special diets or anything you Good stay question. healthy? At that point, uh, you know, while I was going through the chemo, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's about putting weight on. So, I mean, I would uh, – just to give you an example at the very beginning how things dramatically change, the chemotherapy for me uh, completely shot my appetite. And so when somebody, a friend's coming over to bring my favorite enchiladas or casseroles, last thing I wanted to taste was that enchilada. Mm-hmm. And so I would literally reject them coming in. It was so sickening. So I was doing insurers. I was um, just trying to maintain the weight. But fast forward to after chemotherapy, at that point, you know, it was all about protein and, and almost uh, switching the substrates around. So instead of uh, sugar and carbs being my first substrate, it would mm-hmm. switch to protein and, and actually fat, and, um, and and that would kind of lengthen my energy levels and still put weight on me. So that was kind of more of a keto direction mm-hmm. versus just throwing throwing uh, insure. You know, exactly. Do you take filled. vitamins or supplements to? Keep you know, just you a, a general uh, probiotic and a mm-hmm. multivitamin Good. was the key. Um, you know, but then staying engaged. If I could do it all over again, mm-hmm. I would have an exercise bike next to my bed that I was, oh. uh, you know, because I just needed to get moving. And the one secret to, I think, somebody who's in their 70s, 80s was similar to what I went through is that you just don't have the energy. You don't have the willingness to get up and move. But once you do it, it stimulates the endorphins and, mm-hmm. and you start becoming positive and more energized just going through the motions. So I think sending an exercise bike to a lot of my clients' homes has been a secret to my success and getting them to get over the fact that their husband has passed away and they're now lonely. You know, it's it's about engaging, stimulating everybody with this charge of, you know, you're the catalyst to getting their quality of life back. Do you, what kind of equipment do you have in your home for Uh, working? (laughs) My wife, if she's listening, she's going to love this, but so I always thought it'd be great to bring the gym to my house, you know, because that's what I'm doing. So to to get my wife to not have to worry about going to an exercise class, I thought let's bring the Peloton bike, which right. is good. Yeah. Um, but anytime I brought up a bike uh, in the past, she always assumed that I, you know, thought maybe she was overweight at the time. Oh, or, you what are know, you trying it, to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had good intentions, and then the second part is I've got a free motion machine that had this app that you could, it was like personal training, but you had this very unique machine that uh, allowed you to work your upper body. And the only problem is it filled up our whole master bedroom. So we now, uh, you know, had to kind of limp around it and we end up uh, uh, hanging clothes on it. Uh, And so within the first three months, I mean, she said, get this thing out of here. Right. So, but the intentions were good. You know, I thought let's bring the gym to us and make life easier. But uh, it turns out, you know, we don't have very much equipment in the house for that reason. It ends up just being a, a so close wh- hanger. So what's your per- what's your personal workout re- regimen look like? Yeah, so, I, you know, I try to practice what I preach. So when I mentioned the three to six times of, of light meals for diet, mm-hmm. I also 
think that, you know, we all need to be realistic with our expectations. When we think about having to work out for an hour, I think we all make it work at the beginning and then we burn out. And so my thought is since I have three kids and running a business and trying to run a, a few more businesses, my thought is if you can pack in as much value into a 20 to 30 minute workout mm-hmm. and do that four to five times a week, you get that peace of mind, you know, that cognitive boost. But you also, because you're so functional with the workouts and it becomes more of a circuit training workout, you're getting the cardio, you're getting the uh, aerobic and anaerobic exercise all packed into one. And to me, that's how I stay fit, plus running around like a chicken with my head cut off. <laughs> that's part of it. Is there the best exercise of all? Yeah, you know, I, I think the I go back to the sit-to-stand. It sounds yeah. so simple, but I got a professional baseball player for the Yankees, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler, and my 93-year-old doing right. the same drill. And basically, if you think about how many times we get out of a chair off a toilet seat, mm-hmm. you know, that we're talking 20 to 30 potential squats a day. Mm-hmm. So if you can get off, get out of a chair without pushing off, and for the professional athlete, maybe you shift one foot forward so it's more of a balancing act, and then raising your arms overhead on your way up, mm. and then sitting back down while balancing. To me, that's such a functional exercise. You can add weight, you can vary it, mm-hmm. but that's that should be the most functional and go-to exercise for everybody. It's interesting because in doctor's office, they say that you should have chairs with arms because your patients need to push up like that. But then if you can say, no, no, don't push up, use your core and your strength to, to, mm-hmm. to not have to lift yourself like that, sure. use that. that. That would actually be better for you. Yeah, those arm, those arm rests are, uh, Make are enabling. Or, or yeah, <laughs> it's part of the smoking thing. It's like the making you do that. What advice would you give everybody out there about fitness? You know, again, I think managing expectations. You know, we all get on these diets that we think we're going to get in shape in one day or, or lose 20 pounds in one day. And I think if we program in these real functional, uh, meaningful exercises and also dieting with light meals more frequently, we're going to end up bringing the workout to us. We're going to end up doing it naturally, mm-hmm. and we're all going to lose weight and, and be in better shape uh, faster. And a lot less work required. And then one of the things I want to go back to is the parenting part because of Father's Day. What is your wish for each of your children? So, you know, my kids, I I want them to be happy. You know, we put a lot of energy into uh, being affectionate because my parents, you know, were all about, you know, kissing and hugging us. And I know someday those kids aren't going to want to hug me. They're going to be too cool for school. But <laughs> the, the, the main thing is, is be respectful to other kids, you know, make sure that they always uh, are kind, but also, you know, be positive and, and energetic and, and love what you're doing, whether it's playing sports or reading. And giving them that foundation is the key as a parent you know, to allow them to be successful in all different uh, stretches of life. But uh, I think of being a parent as a business. You know, if you don't feed it, mm-hmm. it won't grow. And that's the biggest out of all the business models. It's the most important business we all have. Mm-hmm. So we have to remember and put a lot of energy into it. You know, and you and I have taken care of a lot of very successful, wealthy people. And in the end, you know, when their businesses are sold or they retired, in the end, it's their family. It's the relationships that you see and how well do they manage that. And we don't see too many happy cases at times, right? It's, uh, it is it is heartbreaking. You can have all the money in the world, and, and when you don't have any family left, it's a very sad thing. We see it at end of life, too. 
You know, I, you look at why do people live so long, and it's one of the reasons my patient, 102, decided to pass. She said, everyone I cared about is gone. There's nobody here. It's time for me to move on. But uh, but I think you, one of the things you point out is is that drive to succeed but also to survive and thrive, that when they gave you a cancer diagnosis, you, you said, I'm moving on. You know, I'm, I'm going to continue to go in the healthcare field to help so many people. And and you're not a victim. You're, you're beyond a survivor. You're a thriver, you, you know, and, and it does give you sympathy. If you won't go through your own journey, you understand somebody else who's suffering. So, um, so that's still amazing and compelling. But we're going to close pretty soon. I want to thank you, Dr. Matt Lloyd, for being on our June show and, and hope you had a great Father's Day. And thank you for your wisdom on physical fitness and, and staying healthy and keep moving to live a long, good life. So stay tuned next month for Dr. Connie's House Calls. Have a wonderful month. God bless. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Have a terrific week.